What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, November 28th, 2022, and this week's episode, Pacheco Triumphs in the PFL Final. We'll recap the PFL Championship event and the five-rounder for a million dollars between Kayla Harrison and Larissa Pacheco. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news. Next week's pay-per-view has had a big shift, but there will still be championship gold on the line. Kane Velasquez returns to pro wrestling later next month. And of course, some of the first events of 2023 already have their headliners. And we'll wrap it up by discussing this Saturday's event. The UFC returns to sunny Florida in Orlando with a welterweight bout between Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Kevin Trailblazer Holland. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Hello, hello. Are you uh, watching World Cup at all? Is that anything you're interested in? I know this is about MMA, but I'm just curious. I keep up with the highlights. Like, it was really cool seeing Messi do his thing against Mexico. Um, Brazil just won this morning, I saw. And yeah, you know, um, just like everything else, I I, I will be honest. Like, I guess because of um, respect, you know, Team USA has struggled so much on the World Cup stage. I'm not necessarily like, oh, everything's got to be red, white, and blue for the Fortnite. It's just more <laughs> like, who who are the stars? I want to see some good soccer and some good highlights. And okay, I've caught some of that, so I like it. What about you? Yeah, same. My mom's a big fan. She'll literally wake up middle of the night to watch, you know, all the matches. Doesn't matter what country the World Cup is in. Uh, before my, my son, I would try and watch a little less. Now, but the gym I go to, the UFC gym, they uh, they do put the, the the matches on. So when I get there, that's actually the most I've watched uh, World Cup is at the gym. And uh, as far as how I rank my support, it's a tier system. Yeah, I'm gonna go USA first, you know, but we're talking soccer here. So so then I'm like, okay, what's the next country that I'll root for if USA's out? And then it goes all the way down to to wherever, you know. We'll see. <laughs> Like, uh, for example, like for Messi, I would love to see him win it just so he could complete that resume, you know, like, yeah, he's won everything else. Like to have that World Cup, you know, logo on his resume when they make that graphic, I feel like would be really awesome for him. Same with Cristiano Ronaldo, even though, you know, great players. But I, I think the general consensus is like... Plenty of countries have one or two guys that are like, dude, like this dude lights it up, you know, like a Messi. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, as a team, it's like, uh, you know, they struggle, right? Yeah. And that's why, you know, like so many of the European teams, they don't have the Ronaldo or the Messi, but like top to bottom, those teams are just so good that they, that's how they get, you know, that's how they're so successful on the international stage. Yeah, there's a cohesiveness with some of these other teams that don't have the big stars. Yeah. That uh, makes it tricky when you get, like, yeah, the big names. And, you know, I don't know, man. I don't follow soccer enough to know if a World Cup really is a bigger deal than winning your, uh, you know, your premier championship league titles. But for, for these big guys. But for the countries itself, themselves, yeah, I mean, it's it's the biggest thing on earth. So. I low-key think it is because they know it's harder. The club, they throw the money at that's to true, build the team. Yeah. But international, you get whoever's from your country and you got to run with that to the <laughs> World Cup. So Good luck. 
so it's like that's why it's like bro of course it'd be nice if he had all the help he's had in barcelona madrid all these guys right Mm -hmm. but it's like no you work with what you got and you win it then if you're that great so i appreciate the challenge let's talk about other things though um larissa pacheco kayla harrison three um I want to give the caveat because I know I think we I'll say it I'll I'll admit it like many people I think we kind of breezed past Pacheco last week we didn't really you know we we weren't selling this we knew she was better we knew she looked better this season we knew she had great results but this is the Kayla Harrison show it's been the Kayla Harrison show many predicted a Kayla Harrison show if I could sum it up to one thing I would say this people criticize Kayla's like level of competition right uh-huh. pacheco's fought the same girls so it kind of felt like well oh well pacheco's improving it's like yeah but pacheco's fighting the same girls as kayla it's not like she's out here fighting fighting amanda nunez and julia budd megan anderson chris cyborg etc etc yeah is pacheco to kind of say like oh well she's doing better against the competition because it felt like no nah, these girls should be improving at roughly the same level I think what we saw on Friday was really just, um, I'm not going to lie, it wasn't pretty, but it was just so clutch and such a gritty performance from Pacheco. And I think, honestly, it was like all of the little things are what added up to a victory. I don't think she had necessarily too many big moments. She didn't really sit Harrison down, even on the submission attempts. She look, she went in for him, but you never saw the arms really get stretched out on Kayla. You never saw the hand go under the arm go under the chin, the neck start to change the face changing colors. We never really got that close on submissions, but it was collectively, especially in that last 15 minutes, just every time Kayla went in for a takedown. And she just seemed to stop, you know. She just you saw it, she kind of she went down to her knees, she's really clutching the one leg for the single and Pacheco just starts hammering away at her face from the bottom. She gets taken down, still just keeps hammering her, hammering away for 30 seconds off of her back. Doesn't even matter that she's down. Doesn't matter that Kayla Harrison's on top of you and all this. And all those little things added up, caught her a few times on the feet. And I think if anything that I'm most impressed with was the takedown defense and really just I don't know how else to say it. I was shocked at how much Kayla was willing to absorb damage on so many of those attempts. Like she just lets those shots go. And to her credit, more often than not, she would eventually complete takedowns. But I I was just thinking like, girl, even if you get this takedown, you've taken so much that you really have to do something dramatic just to get the points back to win the rounds. Which isn't something we normally say. Usually, if Kayla gets you down, she's winning this round, right? Doesn't matter mm-hmm. if she has two minutes, minute and a half. If it's with more than 60 seconds, she's probably going to do what she needs to to win the round. Regardless of what happened before, if it's slower, if it's whatever. And really, that's what added up to the victory for Pacheco. Now, competitive... In particular, third round, I believe, was close. Obviously, Pacheco really clutched the fourth and fifth, but it was like, you know, could it be this way? Could it be that way in the early going? I think Pacheco for sure did everything he needed to do to win. I don't see it controversially. 
It was just a very, like I said, it wasn't this beautiful display like, oh, domination. It was just like, dude, the little things that you can do all added up to a victory. What about you? It was definitely third time's a charm, right? That's, that's, it, was, it was like Pacheco had to get her reps in to be able to learn enough about the Kayla Harrison uh, you know, style to be able to finally dominate her in an impressive fashion from my perspective. You know, Kayla hasn't, when you, when you look at both of their careers in the PFL, Kayla hasn't evolved as much as Larissa Pacheco has. Kayla already came in levels above the game, the levels above the weight class. And Pacheco, her biggest advantage was size, you know, naturally as big as Kayla uh, or a little under, but, but was able to finally, I think in this season, get her body to be not just uh, the right weight, but the right weight. And I'm sorry, the, the, to be the, to be muscular at this weight class, to not just be big at this weight class, but to be muscular. Her body's finally been fine-tuned as, as well as her skill sets. Her striking was always um, something that was, uh, you know, the threat, right? Because she had heavy hands. This is the first season where I'm looking at her stand-up game and I'm thinking, okay, your stand-up game is way better than Kayla Harrison's. Like before it was she had the power, she was kind of lunging, she was working on it, you know, and she has her, her jiu-jitsu background too. But this season, especially this performance, I'm like, she put it all together. I really was not expecting Kayla Harrison to look the way she did against Pacheco, especially in round five. But what we saw was Kayla Harrison getting fatigued mentally and physically. I think round one and three were hers. And you could even maybe make a case for Pacheco getting three at the end, but I give it to Harrison. But two, four, and five were clearly Larissa Pacheco. And, you know, when you think about important round fives, think about Israel Adesanya, Kelvin Gastelum. Um, there's another one, but I can't think of it now. This was one Leon of those... Edwards, uh, oh, yeah, of course. Usman, <laughs> there's that one, right? Alex Pereira, <laughs> Israel Adesanya. Except, you know, except those were, um, at least, at least, uh, Leon Edwards, that was, that was definitely not quitting. Um, but it was just a strong knockout shot. Okay. Oh, uh, was... Robbie Lawler, uh, Rory McDonald. Rory McDonald. Okay. There you go. This one was like, you know, Larissa Pacheco just stood her ground. This this is the one that makes me think of most of Adesanya Gastelum, where he's like, I'm prepared to die in here. Because Larissa Pacheco came out in that fifth round, bouncing around. She looked confident in her eyes. She had her arms up already at the end of round four. Hale Harrison looked defeated, and that's how she performed in round five, and we saw what happened. It's a shocking turn of events, but it's also kind of exciting because now we have a real, a real like legit competitor here at 155 for Kayla Harrison and for the rest of this PFL division. We kind of slept on Larissa. And as you said, at the beginning, we knew she had improved a lot, her striking and everything, but nobody saw it going down the way it did. I feel for Kayla Harrison because she has two fights left in her contract. She was on the MMA hour talking about, you know, I'm just two more and then we'll see what I do. I know my legacy isn't cemented, but I'm a bad MFer and all these other things. And they're still true. But I keep going back to the differential in striking prowess. And Larissa Pacheco was levels above Kayla Harrison in that fight on Friday night as far as striking goes. 
Kayla Harrison is doing that thing that Ronda Rousey did, and maybe it's just like a judo, you know, it's just hardwired into them for being judokas. They get up on their tippy toes. They're not staying grounded. The chin comes up as soon as they start eating punches. And that's what was happening. So if I'm Kayla Harrison, I'm going back to the drawing board and just planting my feet and doing boxing, boxing, boxing. Um, I don't think this hurts her brand all that much. This is MMA. And everyone loses except, you know, Khabib. <laughs> um, so it doesn't hurt the brand. But it is shocking if I'm PFL. I'm very excited because now we have another name to promote. Um, if I'm Bellator, I'm still interested in Kayla Harrison. If I'm UFC, I'm probably thinking like, eh, you know, we'll see how she looks after her two fights are up. But all in all, a big a big night for Pacheco, man. And, and you know... She was just all around the better fighter, hands down. Yeah, so I want to address a few of those points. Um, first of all, it, I think Harrison now finds herself in a bit of that uh, that pickle. When you are so dominant at something, are you not, you know, like, how much boxing are you trying to use in a fight? No, your whole fight should be about getting it down and all that. Now, there is a balance, but when you're such a specialist, it becomes a bit of a... It's a thing, right? It's a very real thing. How much do you want to veer away from that in terms of becoming the, quote, more well-rounded threat? And look, some people have found it. Some people don't. GSP comes to mind, you Uh know, all this and that. He became the most well-rounded and look how well it worked for him. Um, She'll address that. We'll see that in the next, uh, her next appearance for sure. Um, uh, You addressed a great thing with Pacheco. I think that now... This is going to sound almost disrespectful, but I think the future of Pacheco is very tied to Kayla. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, what does Pacheco want? Does she care about a rematch with Harrison? Because let's be honest, probably not. You know, maybe Pacheco renegotiates and maybe this and maybe that. Pacheco was not making Kayla Harrison money this year. I'm not even talking about the million dollars. Forget about the million Per fight, regular season, she was not making near what you know Kayla did. Right. If her thing is about making the money and Kayla wants to avenge it, Pacheco may say, PFL, you better cut me a check if you want me to rematch Kayla in the pay-per-view. Because the way I see it, I've also been the favorite to win a million dollars. It's just always been the Kayla show. And, you know, rightfully so the last three years. Kayla... Her contract and her free agency last winter really was all about the three years that she put in. Great, you know, debut season, one second and third, two-time millionaire, two-time champion, etc. She, even though she lost, promise you she got paid. Promise you she was still making around the half a million dollar range per fight. Because it always had to match whatever Bellator was willing to pay for appearance, right? Mm-hmm. And then you factor in the math of the million dollars. If I'm not mistaken, I want to say even PFL has special rules. If you make the finals, you make 100K. You win the final, you get the uh, you know the other 900K to complete your million. Um, obviously, the check says 1 million straight up, but that's for show. You get what I'm saying. So, I'm sorry, you're saying you, Kayla was making this season half a million per fight? She's got to be. that free agency she she had to have been making north of a quarter million 
Maybe it's between three and four, but you know she's got to be because Bellator opened the checkbook for her. Yeah. That was why the big drama was, oh, Bellator's got it. No, PFL's going to match. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that you got to address the fact that for Pacheco, like, hey, like, unless you're cutting me a check, Kayla's getting paid doing whatever she wants. I still need to take care of myself because you guys weren't exactly parading me around doing the rounds on media and all that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So now let's talk about the other side of this. And you mentioned the MMA hour. Kayla Harrison did mention uh, issues with her health. And while she did not make any excuses, I would be remiss if I don't say out of concern if she has something going on, could we see a lot less appearances overall for her career than we ever predicted? I'm, she did not make excuses. She did not say anything contributed to her performance on Friday. However, that did make me think, hey, do you see another three or four years like maybe we predicted out of this? Or do you see maybe uh, getting your paydays and, and pay-per-view and let's just call this a wrap? Only she knows. I'm sure... It will come up later on. But for sure, this starts to become a bit of a question now. Um, I would look, I enjoy watching her. Um, I think she promotes herself well. I think she's been very talented. I think she's one of the most talented people to get 11 fights the way she has or 13, wherever she's at right about now. But long story short, you know, how many fights does she have left? That became a big question after that interview. Now, in terms of Cyborg and all this other stuff, pay-per-view, you could still make those fights. I think it's still a big fight for Bellator. I think it's still a big fight for PFL. But we now we've got to talk about that elephant in the room, the price tag for Friday. I've heard a lot of people say, for the action you got, it was a pretty decent night of MMA. For the... People, there are a lot of people who never saw past that $50 tag. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter about Auntie D'Elia uh, handling business. Brendan Lofnane, Bubba Jenkins had a scrap before Brendan took it. Aspen looked decent against Julia Budd. Um, competitive one. Uh, people could not, uh, many people never bothered with it after they saw 50 bucks. And that's a mm-hmm. true story. After losing, selling Cyborg Harrison for 50 again, I can't tell you that that the Friday helped that. I think that that really hurt the, hurt the cause. And so in which case now we got to just address it. Like what does Kayla really want to do? What does PFL want to do? I'm sure they're still going to do some kind of showcase events. Even if they say, look, Friday's numbers were just what we predicted Friday's numbers would be. And long story short, we'll find another way to pay these people. Maybe that's ESPN. Maybe that's ABC Network uh, MMA. But I just don't know if all of this equals a successful pay-per-view for Kayla and PFL. Coming up next. Yeah, I don't think it does, and I don't know what they'd have to, what kind of stops they'd have to pull out to make people get hyped for another pay per view. You know, if she had one, then and presumably in dominant fashion, okay, here we go. Here's the real deal, and she's she's backing up everything she says. She's a superstar. 
I'm not saying she isn't still all of those things, but you know, it changes the landscape a little bit. It changes the strategy a little bit. So I am curious what the next two fights are going to look like. Um, but I, again, I, I go back to, you know, her brand is still strong and everybody loses in MMA. It's just, you know, is it as shocking as Holly Holm, Ronda Rousey? No, of course not. Uh, not even as shocking as Nunez Pena, but it's still a big, it's still a big story out there. And, and, um, I'm very curious to see how this shakes out for her. So let me ask you this last question before we move on simply. Um, Kayla Harrison fights 2023. Let's say about the summer. I really feel like that's what she's feeling more or less. Does she fight Chris Cyborg next year? Yes or no? No. I, uh, I am leaning toward no right about now too. And I think that, um, I'll be honest. If you ask me, what does my heart tell you? Right this moment, Monday after the pay-per-view, does PFL still hold pay-per-view events in 2023? I'll even say no. I just don't know that the loss helped sell another event for 50 bucks if it's centered around Kayla. Not saying it's not a great fight, not saying it isn't competitive, not saying any of this, but, you know knowing the landscape of pay-per-view and the products and how the market really responds to everything. It was a tough sell on Friday without, like I brought up, if you could get a Jake Paul to make his MMA debut, imagine mm-hmm. without it, it's going to be tough to sell another PFL pay-per-view with, you know, like I said, pe- we we've discussed this. What do people feel like they're paying for when they get it, whether it be the best of the best or the name value? And you'd be filling the card with people you feel like are not up to the par of the UFC guys or people who were released because they weren't killing it in UFC. And all of that just equates to a lot of like whether or not you get that big number and a decent number for your pay-per-view sales. And yeah, that's just where I'm at. Um, was there anyone you really wanted to highlight from the PFL undercard? Yeah, honestly, no. Oh, <laughs> I know good, that's yeah. that. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I mean, I know I touched on a bunch of them. There were some yeah. good highlights. Like I said, Delia handled it. Brendan scrapped. Aspen, I thought actually looked decent against a veteran in Julia Budd. Yeah. Uh, Marlon Marais, that was a little heartbreaking on the prelims. He looked fine. He was grappling. I had him up 2-0. and Everyone had him up 2-0 and on Shaman. And then it's just like those old demons came back. He got caught and the, he just didn't take it well. Got finished in the third round. And it's like, what is that, number five or six in a row? Yeah. It, it was a rough one for uh, Marlon. But no, it, it was a decent night of scraps. Uh, Biagio Ali Walsh, Muhammad Ali's grandson, great-grandson. One of them. Um First round knockout, I believe. Um, it was a decent night of fights. Nathan Schultz did Nathan Schultz things to Jeremy Stevens. It was a decent night of fights. But like I said, I go in knowing firmly aware most people didn't care after they saw 50 bucks on the tag. So, um, yeah, that's where we're at. Um, that was uh, that was Friday on, I believe, it might have been Wednesday, Thursday. We got some news, Natalie. <laughs> How did you find out about this news? I'd like to know. Through through my uh, my go-to source, MMA Fighting. I like to check in periodically, and uh, sure enough, there it was. Um, and so, yeah, that's how I found out. And then, you know, 
then I have to go back. The first one I saw was, I think it was, there was a, a few articles. So it wasn't the breaking news article that I saw first. And then I, you know, I'd like to go backwards and see like, how did I miss this whole chain of events? And then, ba bam. What about you? You know, so I was at the store and, you know, waiting in line. So, you know, I checked my phone like we all do. And, you know, it, it's weird. You kind of, I'll say, it, you're so almost, uh, in this business, like when you pull up your Twitter and you see Brett Okamoto's little profile picture, oh, <laughs> uh, here we go. So to see it from Kevin Ioli first was like, wait, huh? And oh, here we go. And then, you know, the snowball effect. Uh, yeah, so um, Yuri Prohoshka is out of his fight next Saturday with Glover Tashira. Jan Blahovic and um, Magomed Ankalaev have now been promoted to a five-round championship fight for the vacant title. Yuri relinquishes it. Um, uh, Dana White, per statement, says that Yuri's shoulder injury was, quote, the worst shoulder injury that the UFC doctors have ever seen. Mm -hmm. And that Yuri is not only expected to have to undergo a serious surgery and... um, he is also expected to have to go through a ton of rehab that will take him out for... It's expected to be all of next year. And I'm not saying he's back in January. He may not be back till, like, spring-summer 2024. Um, Yeah. And uh, just um, that layoff obviously leads to the decision to make the fight a vacant title. You know, relinquish it and all that. Yuri said, you know, he... He went with it and it's like, look, you know, I'm going to be out a long time. Let's move the division along. Obviously, even with a, even if the surgery goes well, any little thing could obviously delay his return. So that could hold up the division more. Um, Final note on that is that Glover Tashira did, was offered Ankalaev for the vacant title. Tashira said it's two weeks. He is very different from Yiri. Um, pretty much just turned it down and said, nah, like, can we do Blahovich? No, we can't sell the Blahovich rematch. We've already seen it. Can we push back the fight with Magomed to Brazil, January? No, remember, they are the only title fight on Saturday, next Saturday. So they're like, no, we need a title for this one. Glover ultimately said, um, can't do it. And so the UFC moves on to Magomed versus uh, Blahovich for the vacant title. Um, what are your thoughts? Because that's a lot to unpack, but obviously you kind of figure out how we reach this particular juncture. Yeah, it, first, supremely disappointed that that fight was canceled and to find out that it's because of not just any injury, but you know the quote of it being the worst shoulder injury that UFC doctors have ever seen. That's saying something, right? You know, that's not just hyperbole, which means what, you know, like, yeah, how long is it going to be for Yuri before he comes back? And what condition will he be? Will he ever be the same? Okay. That's terrible on its own. Makes me think of um, when Juliana Pena blew out like every tendon in her knee, right? And it was this catastrophic injury. Now, we've seen catastrophic injuries before in the cage. You know, Weidman, Silva, McGregor, those leg breaks are pretty serious. Uh, but the shoulder is uh, an altogether different beast, you know, the the joints and the tendons and all that stuff. So, 
you know, all we can do is just wait and see what happens to poor uh, Prohashka. But then the second bout of disappointment came when you when I found out that that the flight was was taken away from Glover Teixeira. You know, I think his MMA math makes sense. It adds up. Jan is ranked above uh, Ankalaev, former champion. Like, no one's going to be disappointed to see this fight. I don't think that just because Glover beat Jan that that, that fight is um, is unworthy of being remade. And let's be fair, too. Like, we're talking two weeks out, less than, maybe. You know, you have a game opponent in Glover Teixeira and presumably a game opponent in Jan Blachowicz, like, just do it. But to, 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 to then bump Glover off the card, to make him lose, to, to, you know, to take away his title shot, to give, to create an interim, man, it's just disappointing. It's kind of crazy. It seems desperate. And I feel like that fight is less interesting than Glover. You know, I wanted to see Glover try and get his belt back. And, and it would have been awesome to see it, of course, against Jiri, but against anyone would have been great, too. But now you have this interim thing, and I don't like it. It's messy. It's silly. Um, well, remember, not an interim. It's for the whole shebang. Well, it's for the whole shebang because he vacated, right? Y- yep. That's right. He vacated. So that's even worse because, you know, it, well, not worse. It would have been the same scenario for Glover. Um, it's just silly, man. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It's... An opportunity, of course, for for Blahovich to knock alive, but I feel really bad for Glover Teixeira. You know, he's he's a smart veteran. He's down to fight. He's still strong and fast and a threat. And I feel like he should have thrown him a bone and and let him have a little more time to fight Ankalaev or give him Blahovich. Well, uh, I'll bring that question back because I think that um, I'll say this: I think that UFC made the right call for UFC, and I think Glover made the right call for Glover. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like I said, and I think we addressed this, there are no other titles on Saturday, next Saturday. What were they going to do? Like, who are they going to pull out of the hat necessarily, right? I mean, yeah. and then for Glover, you're, you know, he's over 40. He's very aware of where he's at in this stage of the game. And maybe somebody else would have been, you know, hey, let me bang, bro, just bleed. And, mm-hmm. you know, two weeks notice, I don't care who it is. I think Glover knowing where he's at is like, hey, you know, like, I don't know how many of these runs I got left. Most people said I was on my last run. So if I'm taking another fight, I want to know who it is. I want a full camp. I want to prep for it because I don't have this many, you know, what did, you know, there's that quote from the movie that I know I've seen it. I just can never remember that's where it's from. But through the breach, once again, there's not that many trips through the breach left for Glover. Most people thought after, what was that one in June, that that might have been it. So really, I respect why Glover made the decision he did to say, look, I know it's the title and this and that, not doing it. For UFC, like I said, um, you run essentially, I don't know that they necessarily would have canceled the event, but certainly... Part of their business with ESPN has to be, hey, we said we're doing a pay-per-view. We need to make a pay-per-view, right? That's one of the things they promise is that their roster of 600 deep in all this can make another pay-per-view if things happen. Now, um, for Yuri, obviously, you know, just I can't send anything except well wishes. You hope he, you know, young guy, obviously so exciting, obviously 
had a lot of business to do for himself in MMA. So you hope that the right course of recovery does bring him back where he could still come back to the sport. And while it would be great to see him back to the summit, at the very least make that money that he was about to start making, in my opinion. So I hope that for him. Glover, I would... Like yourself, I hope that he still ends up in a big fight. But going back to the pay-per-view, I kind of think about what happened last year. What happened to Jake Paul. And this is, I, I do address, this is very different from an immediate rematch. Both Glover and Jan obviously fought other people since their fight. Um, but at the same time, it's like, hey, it's December, holiday season still. And now you're talking about, you're you're losing the fight you've been promoting for about two months and instead you're now going to try to sell something that people technically have already seen they didn't pay for the last time but it's like we've talked about this 75 bucks mm-hmm. for a fight we already saw the fight yeah. that we weren't promised that's a tough sell for everybody so i understand why the decision ultimately going to you know blahovich and Ankalaev, which is still a great fight um Ankalaev nine fight win streak Blahovich, it is what it is. He was um, struggling a bit in that fight with Rokic. Rokic gets injured. We thought we were going to get Viking versus Viking violence. Blahovich and Yiri. Instead, we have this fight. Veteran and Jan taking on a guy clearly hungry to get his his due in the sport in Magomed. It's a good fight, but I am firmly aware that on short notice, promoting it with the price tag, with the holidays... It's not the news people wanted to hear, for sure. Nah, man, it's a tough pill to swallow at the end of the year. You know, people are distracted with Christmas, uh, Hanukkah, the holidays, and New Year's and stuff. So maybe you could look at this and say, well, I wasn't going to do gangbusters anyway. But I do hear your points. Well made. They needed a championship fight. And are people going to want to pay 75 bucks, you know, right around Christmas time to see a fight they've already seen? Fair points, man. I still don't like it. I feel really bad for Glover. <laughs> no, I, I hope they make another fight happen, obviously, for him in next year. Maybe try to put him on that Rio card just to bolster it now. But um, yeah. I'm sure they're exploring all of that for sure. Um, Look, we'll obviously talk and break down, you know, the meat and potatoes of Jan and Magomed, you know, next week's show. But for now, uh, another set of news. I found this one very surprising. Cain Velasquez returning to uh, AAA uh, Pro Wrestling in Arizona. I believe it might even be this coming Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. December 3rd. Um, This is less than uh, two weeks since he's been released from jail after everything. And Natalie, I'm just going to say bluntly... I can understand you haven't been able to do what you love to do, so you're trying to do a lot of it now. If I'd just been locked up for two weeks, I may not even go grocery shopping. <laughs> I, I I don't know if I could ever spend enough time in my house again after being locked up. You know what I mean? So the fact that less than two weeks later, Kane not only is, you know, getting out but you know, of the house, but he's looking to perform and compete. I've uh, maybe he the maybe this is me having never been locked up and you know I wanted to let everyone know right now my promise is to never do anything that would lead to that ever <laughs> for all the days I have on this earth but I just am like 
Kane, you want to go back to work? I mean, you know, the, the last thing I would want to do is clock in for a job after I've been locked up. But look, I, I think he's going back to Arizona. He's going home. And, um, where you know, he grew up out there. And he's more than likely, one, helps financially. But two, you got to think, is only good PR as, you know, the potential case may be coming up. What are your thoughts? Yeah, my first thought when I saw the news that the request was made or was going to be made, I was like, okay, that seems odd, you know, but 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 then I figured you mentioned financial, I figured either he needs the money um because, you know, I don't know how familiar people are with Mark Garagos, his attorney, but that's about as high profile an attorney as it gets. And so when I saw that that was his attorney, I wondered, okay, is he paying for this all himself? Is he getting some help from Dana White, you know, on the on under the table, some other um, high profile MMA guys. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not getting some help with his with his attorneys. Uh, and so, because I guarantee, whatever he's making for AAA, if it's about money, it's not going to be enough to cover that uh, that, that the price of the uh, of, of Mark Ergos. But anyway, so whatever the reason is, I was surprised that he was granted permission to go um but then my other thought was he's been in jail for eight months i know that there's this you know a stereotype of of people in prison kind of working out all day because there's not much else to do so maybe he has been doing that but wrestling is no professional wrestling is no joke right this is high flying stuff so i'm wondering is he actually going to be performing in the ring or is it going to be like a on the mic kind of thing or just walking in with somebody I'm curious to see how he is used at this event. And then finally, you've got to believe he's going to receive a hero's welcome. Back in his hometown, considering all that's gone on, of course there's obviously a crime that was committed, but you think about the reasons behind it, and I think there's going to be a lot of people you know, rocking the free cane shirts in Arizona. So it'll be uh, probably a morale booster for him. And and hopefully, you know, he'll get some some money for it, too. No, totally. I think that that's going to be uh, that to me has to be the be all end all of it. I mean, outside of obviously getting to live your life and, you know, going back to doing what you love, which is not just being with family, but, you know, being a part of everything you had before. Um, yeah. Once again, I go back to it, like I said, to get back to stuff so soon. I, and you touched on it like. I'm not saying that, look, Kane has nothing but time to maybe do push-ups and pull-ups in his cell, right? But how much shape has he been in in eight months? You'd imagine it would, it's tougher, right? But mm-hmm. that that's me speaking as if I know and I don't. So I'd be remiss if I don't have that question. I had it. It'll get answered on Saturday. There we go. Yeah, um, yeah look, uh, I will say I hope he has a great showing, great performance and everything else. Um, for the record before we move on. Uh, there are a couple main events that have been announced uh, for 2023. Things already on the move. First off, the first event of the year on January 14th will be headlined by the middleweights Kelvin Gastelum and Nazardine Imovov. Then on March 11th, Anthony Smith will take on Jamal Hill. Um, what are your quick thoughts on hearing these? A little bit nervous to see Calvin Gastelum back in it because it's just not been going well for him. So hopefully enough time has passed that he's back to form. 
Um, but if not, it could turn into one of these situations where, you know, a close fight for a championship belt results in, you know, that ends up being the, the pinnacle of the career, sort of like we're seeing with Dominic Reyes. So, you know, it's a little harsh to say it, but that's where my brain goes. Anthony Smith, Jamal Hill, that's a good fight. That's a good fight, man. Anthony Smith has uh, been very vocal lately about all his fellow MMA fighters. So, um, you know, he should probably be hoping he can back back up his talk because if he doesn't, he'll get blasted on social media. Not that he cares, but he'll get blasted. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think it's just like you see the Connor stuff and it's like, wait, what? They, they just seem like a very unlikely pair to be beefing. You know what I mean? I know. But, I know. It's so random. But here we are. Also, everyone says something about Connor. We sometimes say stuff about Connor. It's like, yeah, I find it sometimes, I guess respectfully, A, they're always watching. You think, oh, mm-hmm. everyone tags him. It's like, I promise you, they all see a lot of things that go out there, guys. <laughs> Um, that's the biggest lie they say. Oh, I try not to watch all of it. They see everything. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, look, like I said, a good fights. Big fight for Nasruddin. Obviously, this breakthrough opportunity. For Kelvin, you talked about it. I mean, he's uh, one in five. A, a little perplexed at the main event booking, but I do acknowledge, hey, they're coming off the holiday break. Um things are still kind of heating up, right? And it's not like you're going to have a number one contender fight right out the gate. But for sure, that one, it was like, okay, is this kind of the last hurrah for Kelvin and for Nazardine? Is it his, you know, the start of bigger things for him? Um, This one came out. Did you see this, Natalie? Um, Artem Lobov is suing his former BFF, Conor McGregor. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Um... That was that was one came straight out of left field for me because I I figured they weren't real pals anymore. You don't see them, um, you know, on Instagram or anything. It He's not like at the Black got, Forge Inn drinking proper twelve with them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but this the claims behind this suit from Aram Lobov are pretty, you know, surprising. Um, it's a little murky though with like. Did he actually? Did Artem? I'll I'll let you break it down. But but some of the some of the claims are a little murky for me. But but go ahead, lay lay it out for us. He essentially said that he was. I, I don't want to go as far to say the brains behind the operation, but he uh-huh. was certainly the engine of the car that made Proper Twelve a reality. I get you know Artem went out as far to say, well, Connor wanted a vodka. I was the one who did the legwork to make it a whiskey and go to the distilleries yep. and all this stuff and. You know, long story short, Connor sold it last year for six hundred million, and Artem is now looking for his cut. It seems like, yeah. but you know, Artem just kind of threw this stuff out there and said, "Look, I've never taken money for working with Connor." Um, Lubov said a Connor offered him one million, but Lubov turned it down, saying he never took money for the work he did in his camps. Um, you know, it just was like. You see that and I'm like, bro, what happened to all this stuff with the dolly and all that? Most infamous incident? Yeah. I think most people would say by... Some people say it's not even close. And the official story that they put out there was you did it for him. And now suddenly it's like... Uh, I I see that and I have questions. Like I'm sure many do. Um, You know, I'm just saying. How many guys have 
throwing shots at Dylan Dennis. He do- Connor doesn't leave. Connor doesn't hop in the jet anymore. <laughs> he doesn't even raise an eyebrow. Double G. So when I see him, it's like, oh, Artem Lobov suing him. I think Connor's like, you know what? I ain't doing that stuff for my friends ever again. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. What else could it be, right? What are your thoughts? It's super bizarre, man. And I'm a little bummed out. Like, I thought they were buddies. You know, you think about Tough and how McGregor threw a fit when Artem was bounced. And that's the only reason, you know, the only reason Artem was able to stay on the team was because McGregor made a case for him and all that stuff. And yes, of course, the infamous Dolly incident. I mean, they were, they were, they were really great friends in the way that seemed like it would last. And precisely to Artem's point about not wanting to take money during the camps and stuff, that's that's why I thought they would always be friends. Because Artem was a man's man who was just like, you know, came off as very honorable. And it's just like, no, nah, man, like, he's my friend, but I'm not going to take money from him. Like, that's that's crazy, right? So this is strange. There's got to be some truth in the middle here somewhere, you know. But why did Artem turn down that million dollars? And then why is he asking for money now? That's, that's where the meat of the story is. So, um, and, and was there any, were there any conversations with Artem and Connor before this suit was filed? We'll never know. But, um, this one's, this one's kind of sad because, because again, I thought they were, I thought they were like, you know, legit, legit belt pals. Um, but yeah, you know, (laughs) Poor Dylan, Dal- poor Dylan Dennis couldn't get any love for Connor, but at least he's not suing him. So maybe they're going to get back to being buddies again. I don't know. I'm just saying, if it were me personally, after I got into that much trouble for my friend and now he does this, it's like, I ain't ever hopping on the jet for anybody ever again. I know, <laughs> um, I know. And then remember the whole thing with Artem and Polly Malinaji. Most people would argue still the biggest fight ever from BKFC. Even yeah. with the Paige, Van Zandt, and Rachel. And that was essentially the engine that did that was that Artem was kind of fighting for Connor's honor in a sort of way, right? Like, hey, it you was, know, like. Yeah. And so to have all that and now we have all this over the whiskey, it's like, well, you know. I think when you see a guy get 600 million and then you know how much your cut is, maybe that, you know, how much do you like money? And leave it yeah. at that. Um, did you see the other one? Uh, USADA finally made a statement on Connor. They've been talking a lot about whether or not he's been tested. And Connor's saying he's ready in February. Um, I don't think he fights in February, people. But I just want to point that out. Um, and then USADA essentially said, Connor, they confirmed Connor has not been tested for a while. And that, but here's the, the kicker. Technically speaking, the policy is that you're supposed to do the six months. However, it is at the UFC's discretion for, they said a very generic thing, but essentially said, if they say you don't have to do six months, USADA doesn't, the fighter doesn't have to be in the pool for six months. And now all of this would not be as controversial as it was if it weren't for the fact that Conor McGregor been taking off his shirt on his IG and flexing and looking a lot bigger than 170 pounds, people. What are your thoughts, Natalie? Yeah, the pictures, the flexing, the the, the beardlessness, you know, everything <laughs> makes Good point. it look so different. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm not like in the words of Gilbert Melendez, uh, I'm not a scientist, but uh, he looks different 
he looks way bigger than he's ever looked. Bigger than he looks like he's he's you know Rocky Four, Sylvester Stallone and Rocky Four, right? Like oh yeah, the epitome of like you know eighties muscular physical action fighter, and that's great. He looks good, but he doesn't look like an MMA fighter anymore. He looks a little too buff for that. Now is that because he's getting ready to shoot Roadhouse, or maybe he already did? I, I don't know the timeline there. Um, but he's he's been pretty vocal on social media about anyone questioning his physique and seems like um you know not making any bones about it right it was anthony smith had some words to say conor mcgregor fires back if you look at the tweet if you want to break it down and dissect it it seems like he's telling everybody when you have an injury like i did the leg break the only way to properly heal it is with you know, some extra help that you can't get at the gym or, you know, through a can of spinach. So whatever that may be, it kind of lines up with the fact that USADA hasn't been testing him. And his point is, why would I risk not healing 100%? Like, that's silly to even suggest that I should, you know, stay diminished and heal slowly when there's an option to speed it up and make sure I'm strong and fast and ready to come back. So I'm not mad at that, uh, but, you know, if it were any other fighter, you could say he's got some explaining to do, but it's Conor McGregor. This man threw a dolly at a bus full of UFC fighters and went on to have a, a few more, a handful of, you know, big fights. The biggest fight that. in UFC history. The biggest fight in UFC history. So, is he untouchable? Yes. Um, is... Is the UFC going to just kind of throw a blind eye? Uh, look up, uh, what was the expression? <laughs> um, is it going to look the other way uh, when he comes back? Yeah, of course. Will he have, will he pass his USADA test when he comes back? I think that he'll be ready to be tested when he gets tested, if that makes any sense. <laughs> I do believe that. I agree with you. Uh, yeah. I, I, look, I mean, what is he running? What does he do all day? Does he just sit at the bench press? I, I just want to hear thing. it, right? Yeah. I just he, he just takes those huge barrels of alcohol for everybody. <laughs> Whiskey casks. Exactly. Yeah. All the, just say, how do the rich stay rich? They don't spend money they don't need. Come on, boys, let's go. <laughs> morning cardio, morning lifting in. But um, nah um. It, it confirms what a lot of us have already known. All of that, like, oh, well, there's rules to it. If it's for a money maker, things will get expedited always. And I'm not saying, Connor, you know, look, there's going to be people who say none of them are clean, no matter what the USADA says, right? I know yeah. there's people out there. I get that. Uh, I can certainly understand that thinking it's, a, it's sports. People think nobody's clean. I, I definitely am aware of that. However, do I believe that Conor McGregor is going to get tested and it'll be negative for anything? Absolutely. Um, that does, however, confirm that it's like, look, it's it just goes to show like, hey, you know, this is what's going on. He could come back. We could make a lot about this. I'm going to just say it like this. If he's coming back, let's get it going on then. 
let's put it on the book and let's see it because I think that's a more fun conversation than hey have you seen Connor with his shirt off lately yeah yeah how much do you think he weighs in some of these picks I, I'm gonna say around 190 195 yeah I was exactly gonna say 190 so yeah I'm with you for sure oh the days <laughs> just go by and James Krause too James Krause lost his show. What do you think about it? I'll say it. They were always going to get somebody to show a show of force, right? To kind of set mm -hmm. a precedent. I think that James Krause just got the short end of the stick. What about you? Yeah, wrong, uh, wrong place, the wrong time. And uh, what is like, who is the banning authority here? Is it YouTube that's pulling it, uh, pull, pulled his show? Um, and is it at the behest of, you know the gaming entity the gaming the gaming powers or ufc or you know how does something like this get stripped like get removed i don't know um but not surprising that you know the ufc like they put this uh amendment they added this amendment to the contract like overnight right and then it's just we're we're throwing down the hammer whoever breaches um is going to get punished. And so James Cross was the first one up and that's it. And so he got punished uh, for being the most prolific. Let's say it like it is. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it, and maybe he didn't take it seriously or maybe he's like, you know, you, you have no authority over me and maybe they don't, but if he wants to keep like, maybe they don't have any authority over what he does in his personal life, but they can ban him from what attending UFC events. You said, well, that's big because remember how many people he coaches, particularly mm -hmm. flyweight champion Brandon Moreno now, who's and got... And he's been like... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Who's got the title fight in January. So uh, here's what I'll say about it. Like I said, I do feel like it's a bit of a... It's for optics more than anything. I've met and befriended several people who have worked and gone through uh, Krause's gym over there in... Uh, it's Kansas City, right? I believe it's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, speak highly of him as a coach, as a mind, as a teammate, um, all that good stuff, person. It's not lost on me. Hey, look, he has a business that in the time of the sports betting sites probably doesn't make a lot of them feel very comfortable. And we've addressed that. The Derek Minner thing and, you know, we've addressed it's not no secret it feels like something that's very easy to take advantage of and cheat not saying he did but it doesn't look good for anybody it just happens to be him right and uh -huh. he's been vocal and it hasn't been a problem until now about his ability to make profit off of it which we said why can't fighters try to i mean is one of the things they are an expert in and if we're talking about fighter pay and all that being able to make money on fights with your education feels like something fighters should be allowed to do. But we also addressed it's a gray area when you start thinking about all your teammates who you could potentially put money on and have inside info. Okay, so I think there was always going to be a bit of a showing. I think that my point about um, Krause's character is that I do believe he's very invested in being a coach more than he is being a sports betting aficionado, put it that way. Yeah, that I do think that the removal of his show and uh, all that it's all being made to like, hey, let's like, I understand this. And even if you may not agree with it, it's like, 
let me do my part of the process so that I can return to the corner to help out my teammates. And I think that right. that's what we're seeing with uh, the show coming down and, you know, everything else going on right about now. Yep. And there we are. Do you think we'll see him <laughs> in the corner on, in January? Yes, I do think this is going to get resolved. I think it's a little bit of let's see how scared we can make everybody. And then, you know, we'll go sit at the table and figure it out with James Cross. Yeah, I, I agree, too. I think that if he keeps doing what he's doing, they'll they'll make it happen. Especially Moreno. I mean, Dana White has talked about how much they like Brandon Moreno. He's obviously such a big ambassador and just a big anchor for that Mexican market that it's a big deal, right? So, yeah, I think if they if they push in Moreno's like, hey, what does he got to do to get him in the corner? They'll definitely get in the process before January, for sure. Which, Natalie, that brings us to the end of today's show, which is time for UFC Orlando. First time back, I believe, since some... It's been a few years, but back to Florida in general since about April. So, very huge for the UFC to be expanding outside of the norm, always. And we got a welterweight main event, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, looking to get back in the win column, as is Kevin Holland. Um, nicest guy in MMA versus the guy who is prolific for his trash talking. Lot to love about the fight in the personalities. Lot to love about the fight in the cage. What are your thoughts? Well, I love me some Wonderboy. And this is uh, an opportunity for him to prove that he's still you know, a top contender at the welterweight and the welterweight division, even against someone with a lot of hype, like Kevin Holland, who's, you know, sort of gone up and down since the hype train began. Steven Thompson, I think hasn't won in two years. I can't, I have to double check, but it's been something like that, but he still always looks competitive. You know, Bilal Muhammad, you know, that's, that's a tough matchup for someone like Steven Thompson just got taken down over and over again. Okay. I don't think Kevin Holland's going to approach Stephen Thompson that way or even has the ability to, to, to match Bilal's performance against Wonderboy. So I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, classic Wonderboy Thompson. Are we going to see a little bit of a slower uh, version because he's 40 or 40 something at this point? Probably, but he's still super youthful and vibrant and, one of the probably you know better in shape fighters year round. I think for all the attributes Kevin Holland has, Stephen Thompson is still a level or two above Kevin Holland, and he's going to be able to outperform him with that distance management that he's so good at, the amazing counter striking, the evasiveness, and the awkwardness. That's something that has always confounded his opponents, except Bilal Muhammad. Um, so I'm I'm picking Stephen Thompson to win. I don't think he's gonna do a you know a spinning back kick knockout like he did to um, Whitaker. Yes, <laughs> no one hmm. Whitaker. He got Whitaker no, no. with him. No, yeah, he oh he got him. another one. Yeah, he might have. No. I think he stopped Whitaker, but he got another guy with the wheel kick somebody too. Somebody else. The wheel kick. He did like two in a row. Okay, yeah. I can't remember his opponent. But in any case, I don't think we're gonna see that. I think Thompson will outpoint Kevin Holland, uh, Wonder Boy, by unanimous decision. Okay, and you know what's fun about this one? Um, you were right; it's been about two years for Hall, uh, for Thompson. I think people sleep on the level of his competition, Bilal, 
who could arguably be in a title fight next, Gilbert Burns, Jeff Neal, who looked fantastic against Vicente Luque. I mean, um, which is, uh, you know, another one for Thompson that he got. He beat pre-BMF uh, Jorge Masvidal right before he went on the tear. Yeah. It's not like he's been fighting scrubs. And then for Kevin Holland, he's looked fantastic, particularly at 170. Remember, he was looking to fight a boxer in Daniel Rodriguez. And on yeah. 24 hours notice, he got Hamzat freaking Chemaev. He got paid for it, but he got Hamzat freaking Chemaev. Um, what makes that fight fun, ironically, and people may almost roll their eyes at this, the grappling of Kevin Holland. I think he saw the fight with Burns, with Thompson, Bilal. Everyone knows the wrestling, you know, is probably the place to get him. I think that as much as he may enjoy striking with Wonderboy, I think he would be remiss not to think, hey, use my range, use my speed, try to get Wonderboy walking back toward that fence and just try to wear on him. Just try to make that happen. And I'm not saying go out there and shoot doubles like he's Habib. But I think he would be well served to honestly go for some serious takedown attempts. Even if he doesn't do a lot with them, even if he just does like Larissa Pacheco, you know, just uh, hits you with some hammer fists and then things start transitioning and you lose the position. I think that would open up his game immensely on the feet to make Wonderboy think about it. Now, Wonderboy still could do everything Wonderboy did before. He's still, like you said, very in shape. I think as a technical striker, still one of the best at 170 if you're talking about no grappling. I think that it's going to be one of those fights. Got to be very patient. It may not always be the most exciting at times, but if he's fighting the fight that we know he can, certainly you got to think that he should have the edge over 25 minutes and Kevin Holland if they're just looking to keep it striking. I think the X factor, will Kevin grapple? Then you talk about the takedown defensive Wonder Boy, which is where I start to really lean toward it. Bilal is a very underrated grappler, as is Gilbert Burns. I do think that Thompson, especially since the last time we saw him, he's going to put in that work. He's going to be ready if uh, Holland tries to take him down. And you've got to think he is extra motivated, main event, spotlight with the fans to go out there and get this W back, so... I think that's what we're going to see. I'm there with you. I think it's going to be unanimous decision, uh, Stephen Thompson. Yeah, all right. I like it. Let's get it. Um, next Saturday, we do have UFC 282, like we discussed. Blahovich versus Senkalaev. We also got Patty Pimblett, Jared Gordon, Ponzinibbio, Robbie Lawler, um, uh, just uh, Joaquin Buckley, Chris Curtis. What are some of the things you're looking forward to talking about next Saturday? Oh, Joaquin Buckley, always exciting. Um, yeah, Chris Curtis too. I mean, yeah, these are good. These are good names. I think it's uh, okay. It, it doesn't like just leap off the page like two eighty or even two eighty one did. There's just some really decent scraps on this one. Um, Darren Till, Drakus Duplessis, uh, yeah. Bryce Mitchell, Iliad Puria. Those are some. Just as a main card, that's some fun fights. I think it's um, Raul Rosas, 17-year-old UFC prodigy now, apparently. Um, the <laughs> yeah, the, the fact right. is, fun scraps. I think that people kind of are used to seeing, hey, the all those little rankings, like, hey, number one versus number three is opening up the main card, right? And, you know, it's a good night. I think it just makes for a very 
fun evening. I know people, like I said, I know people are maybe used to more high-profile names for their pay-per-view, but I think it's going to be just a fun night overall, the way they've matched everyone up. So I'm looking forward to that as a whole. And then, yeah, um, I love Blahovich. I think he's an interesting fighter. Um, I want to break that one down. It'll be a lot of fun. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Next week, we'll be back. We'll recap all the action, talk about the latest in MMA news. Until then, thank you for listening. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back next week.